Pandemonium Reigns. Pandemonium Reigns podcast, what is up? It's your boy Mike here yet again. Potential additional solo episode coming out to you ahead of this Tennessee and Georgia matchup. I want to talk about the talk ahead of this game, the talk about the biggest game in Sanford Stadium. Uh, I want to talk about this betting spread. Then I want to look at both teams, you know, for a moment and then kind of gear everything towards what Tennessee might need to do to win uh, because that's probably our target audience that we know. We got some Georgia fans. We got some Alabama fans. We got some other fans out there. Uh, and we thank each and every one of you for checking us out. But again, here with a solo episode, uh, just because life is coming at us yet again. Uh, we were hoping to do another joint episode, and that may still be happening. We hope and pray that it is with uh, our boy Dan and our good friend Ryan Phillips coming together with another with a good Georgia fan like we did preseason looking at the Bulldogs. I uh, wanted to definitely talk about this game because none of us saw it being what it is. Uh, but again, life's just kind of coming at us, so we're at least – at least getting some thoughts out for this game. Definitely wanted to share my thoughts because it was looking doubtful um, for if I was going to be able to join that joint podcast as well, just with everything that life's throwing at us. But nonetheless, let's dive into it. Tennessee, Georgia, Georgia and Tennessee, balls and dogs, November 5th, 2022. What a massive game it's going to be. Just want to quickly touch on the talk about the biggest game in Sanford Stadium history, some of that. Um, if you're a Tennessee and a Georgia fan, you know that it's rare for both of these teams to, number one, match up this late in the season. That's been an earlier middle-of-the-road kind of – or middle-of-the-season kind of game historically. Um, and usually these teams don't match up undefeated. It's been a long time since Tennessee's made it this far undefeated. As everyone knows, everyone's taking notice and seeing. Um, and then Georgia, even though they've been good, kind of carrying uh, their part of the bargain, Tennessee is not. Um, so – Huge matchup in that respect for uh, Sanford Stadium would be the same for Neyland Stadium, though they did have the Alabama matchup a few weeks ago there. Um, but just some aspects for Georgia real quick. If you're Again, if you're a fan of, of their program or an SEC fan, you know that they play Florida, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, at a neutral site there in Jacksonville. You know that's not a home game, even though it could be going that way, which would be wild. Uh, that would be fun and exciting to watch, though I know there's fans, Georgia fans that I've heard from, that don't want to see that happen. That game belongs in Jacksonville, they say. Uh, don't mess with it. So we'll see what happens. I know there's talk and chatter about that, but that's one factor of why you may not have seen a, a matchup with teams ranked where these teams are uh, in, in recent history. Another factor is the crossover opponent, Auburn. Boy, has this season in the last 10 years shown just what a roller coaster they are. Ever since... Chiswick got down there, man. I mean, just what a roller coaster they've been, kind of always are. So, yes, you'll have, you know, highly ranked, maybe even undefeated matchups with them here and there. But Auburn is a roller coaster. Even since Georgia's been what they've been with Kirby um, and his staff, Auburn's not necessarily been at that level. And then outside of that, you're just looking at does Georgia host, you know, an undefeated Alabama? It's rare. Um, does it happen all the time? An undefeated LSU. Heck, it's it's kind of, you know, not necessarily like uh, Georgia and Alabama have been. It's kind of more rare for LSU or, or a crossover opponent to, again, be unranked for it to be in the you know the 10th week, uh, each team's ninth game. It's just a rare thing. So, sure, it's absolutely a huge game for Sanford Stadium history. It would be no matter where this game was played. So, just wanted to touch on that briefly. And, gosh, what I'd, what I'd do to be at this game. It would be so fun to experience a game like this on the road. Lord knows that Dan, I, Dan and I have experienced some 
magical games, those Florida, that Florida game and Alabama game this year, and had so much fun doing it. Uh, would love to be there Saturday, but it's definitely not going to be possible. Um, and then real quick, I want to talk about the betting spread. A lot of, uh, you know, how, how unfair it may be for Tennessee to be an eight-point road dog. I just don't agree with that. Um, we talked about preseason, the talent level that Alabama, that Georgia has over Tennessee. Tennessee's made up of, of really good transfers and players that stuck around through the coaching transition from Pruitt to Heupel, playing the best ball, being coached, or showing, frankly, the best coaching that they've ever received. That's what Tennessee's made up of. It's not made up out of largely, exclusively for Georgia, four- and five-star kids or three-stars that you just found that were magical, like a Dan Jackson. Um, Tennessee's not that. Yeah, there's talented players, absolutely, but they're getting it out of dudes that weren't those heralded recruits like Georgia and Alabama make a living on right now and, and other programs, but specifically in the SEC, those two have just owned recruiting until Texas A&M kind of NIL'd their way into the picture. But, again, that's that's why I'm okay with that number. I do think this game's probably going to come down to like a 7, maybe 10 or four, absolutely 14 tops unless one team just runs away with it. And I think if a team's going to run away with it, that's probably a Georgia win. Not saying Tennessee can't do it if Georgia makes mistakes or isn't careful at times with, with Tennessee's offense or with turnovers. But I think that Georgia talent is still really special, kind of like Alabama's has been just – I'm okay with that number. I mean, I think it's fair, and I think that's where this game probably will land, although I don't think it's impossible for Tennessee to win this game even by seven or two touchdowns, just depending on how the flow of the game goes. Um and then I just want to acknowledge uh, Tennessee hasn't started 2-0 and probably um, or definitively against their two of their biggest three rivals like Florida and Alabama this year. Hasn't started 2-0 and in that kind of three-game huge rival schedule in so long. It's just so, so big, so crazy that Tennessee's in that spot. And boy, what a huge win this would be. I mean, just... On the, in terms of ending the Alabama streak, it's huge from that perspective. Beating a remarkably talented Alabama team was huge, but this win would be even bigger, and that's just wild to think about because whoever wins, they, they don't have another loss on their schedule. Georgia doesn't. Tennessee doesn't if they beat Georgia. The winner of this game is going to Atlanta, barring just absolute chaos reigning this season, So, which there's been sprinkles of and there there is every year. But the winner of this game is going to Atlanta. So it's absolutely massive. Talked about in our last Orange cast how Tennessee is currently experiencing one of those year two jumps that good programs, that great coaches experience. Tennessee's right in the middle of one, and it's a beautiful thing, something that felt like it could never happen because of the how many year two coaches there have been in the last 15 years, but boy, you love to see it. And just, again, it'll be a big win for either team because nobody stopped Tennessee's offense enough to get them to, to beat them. Um, and Tennessee hasn't been to Atlanta in 15 years. So it's an absolutely massive game. And man, I'm, I could definitely make an argument that the winner of this game is your national champion. And of course they could meet again. That's not completely out of the realm of possibility. Um, so we'll see, we'll see what happens. Absolutely massive game. But Let's dive into Tennessee first just a little bit. One other theme of this week, uh, player media availability, coaches availability with the media, is that Tennessee apparently could be the healthiest that they've been all year or in multiple weeks, which I get from the aspect of Tillman being as close to 100% as he's been since the 
week one and week two matchups or before he got hurt against Akron. Um, maybe Christian Charles and or Kamal Haddon are ready to come back. But specifically, my thought with those corners and those secondary guys is that Danico Slaughter absolutely earned himself a chance to get corner time if he's not had a drop-off in practice or if they don't have some other crazy game plan ideas to use against Brock Bowers, Darnell Washington. Danico Slaughter is your corner this week. He is absolutely a corner. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind for that. Um, and then when it comes down to turnage, Haddon and Charles, I mean, do you rotate those guys? What do you do? Because Haddon and Charles and, and all of these guys have had bad moments this year. They've been beaten. They're not true corners for the Nico Slaughter and Christian Charles. And, and I guess you could even make that case for Kamal Haddon, although he's, he's played well at times. Who even is a true corner out of those guys? And, and what combination do you go with if you are – to be back at 100% full strength and health there. Who do you go with, man? I want to see – I think I want to see all those guys, but I definitely want to see Danico Slaughter on the other side. I think he's absolutely earned it unless you just have, again, some kind of crazy game plan for him against the tight ends or using him in the in the run defense or something like that. So I want to see it, hoping to see it, but overall thrilled to be getting back to close to 100% health or uh, as healthy as we've been, as the coaches and players said. That's massive. I want to talk a little bit about Hendon Hooker. Everybody knows how amazing, amazing Hendon Hooker's been. I mean, leading in betting odds, the Heisman race right now, he's absolutely played to that level. Um, in terms of what he'll have to do, and I'll, I'll touch on this now and come back to it later, what he'll have to do to win, I look at his completion percentage and probably how many completions he could be allowed in this game. The most that he's had all year was 15 against Pitt. Uh, Lord knows that was a close game. That was a, a clunking offensive game, or as close to it as you'll see for Tennessee this year to this point. Um, and then he had 10 incompletions against LSU and nine against Alabama. Um, only two games all year where his completion percentage has been below 70%. I definitely think he needs to have a, a very strong day Saturday for Tennessee to have a chance to win. I think 15, if he has 15 incompletions, anything above that, I think that's really just pushing towards maybe even like an automatic loss. It could really get iffy for the down and distances that Tennessee will be in, um, their confidence, just how well they're executing. Um, so no one's held him to, uh, you know, an ugly game or even, heck, turned him over, uh, you know, fumbles not included outside of Alabama. So he's going to have to play clean. He's going to have to be efficient and effective. Um, he held on to the ball a little bit too long in moments against Kentucky, and he's done it a little bit here and there all year. He cannot do that Saturday. Uh, I'll touch on – I may touch on this again, but – Georgia only has 10 quarterback sacks on the year. Their leading quarterback sacker, Nolan Smith, is out for the rest of the year, which I hate for the kid. Um, he has three of Georgia's 10 quarterback sacks on the year. But if Hendon holds on to the ball Saturday for too long, he will absolutely get hit, even as good as this offensive line has been, and even with Georgia's lower sack numbers. It'll, it'll happen Saturday if he holds on to the ball too long. So he can't do that. He's got to stay upright and healthy, be efficient with the ball, and completing passes like he's done all year for Tennessee to have a great chance to win. Uh, for Tennessee's run game, I don't think, again, just like if anyone had Tennessee being 8-0 coming into the Georgia game, I don't think anybody saw Tennessee running for 199 yards on average through eight games either. I mean, they ran for 182 against Alabama. They ran for 177 on Kentucky. Pitt actually held them under 100 yards. Pitt's seen this Tennessee offense, the Hopple offense, uh, more than anyone. So that's that may be where that's at. It may be the offensive line gelling. We know it was the, the second game of the year, much like uh, everyone looks at Georgia and Oregon back in week one. Um, so 
Tennessee probably doesn't have to run for 200 for their average to win this game, but they better run for 125, 150 there again to make Georgia defend both the pass and the run to create favorable down and distances because I, I still, even though Georgia's not sacking the quarterback like they're probably capable of, like they definitely have in past years, you don't want third and long. You don't want second and long. You want to be in second and manageable to create everything else for your offense, whether you're throwing bombs over Baghdad or whether you're driving the field, um, like Tennessee's done a bit of everything this year. you got to be able to run probably, again, I think 125, 150 minimum to have a above-average chance of winning this game. I want to flip over to Tennessee's defense real quick. Who in the world was that defense against Kentucky? We talked about it in our last Orange cast. Holding Kentucky to 98 yards when you've allowed 241 to Akron, when you allowed over 300 to UT Martin with a very thin UT secondary that day um, and a lot of backups playing. But you've allowed 200, 240 against everybody else, and you allow 98 yards with some talented young Kentucky receivers with a quarterback that got a lot of buzz that Dan and I have spoke a lot about. Won't even go down that road again. Who was those guys? Can 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 Tennessee limit Georgia's passing game outside of the tight ends, outside of the running backs? Because Kenny McIntosh is their fourth leading receiver. Brock Bowers leads the team. He's he's the freakiest tight end that I've seen since Kyle Pitts. He's different than Kyle Pitts. He's plenty fast. He is a monster. Uh, physically, and that that's not even talking about the size and athleticism of Darnell Washington. I mean, I saw Darnell Washington hurdle a guy earlier this year. I mean, can Tennessee limit Bennett in the passing game, Bowers? I, I don't think you can limit Brock Bowers. I really don't. Darnell Washington might be a little more gettable, if you want to say that. He, you might be able to limit him a little bit better, but I think Brock Bowers is going to be about limiting everyone else around him, limiting the Georgia run game, which has been good. If, if anyone's sleeping on this Georgia offense, you really just need to check yourself because they're right up there with Tennessee in yards per game. I mean, just below where Tennessee's at in yards per game. And again, everybody knows about Brock Bowers. Everybody knows about Darnell Washington, A.D. Mitchell, Lad McConkey. They're all capable. What can Tennessee do? Can they keep Georgia two more like 200, 250, or is it going to be a 350, 400 type game for Georgia's passing game? Um you feel really good about Tennessee's rush defense. Uh, Tennessee's allowed four teams through eight games to rush for 100 yards. Georgia has allowed three. Um, you saw Pitt get 141 rushing and Florida get 142. Can you keep it to that number or below? Um, even with Pitt, it was a, a monster Israel Abanacanda run, 75-plus yards that, that really impacted that, that total of 141. So can you limit Georgia's run game? Can you do what you've done? this year and not get absolutely blown off the ball, allow George to be in short down and downs and distances as they progress. What can you do there? Uh, because you've absolutely got to do something. You have to be able to get a couple stops if you're able to score like you've been able to. And I don't think that's at all a given because of George's defensive talent. So what can you do? Um, and then you can't ignore Stetson Bennett and his legs. He's not, <laughs> he's not Anthony Richardson or Cam Newton, but Ask Auburn. He can run the ball. He's plenty fast. He's plenty capable of extending a pass play to allow it to open up. Um, and Tennessee got obliterated by that last year against Bryce Young, against Kenny Pickett, against uh, Matt Corral, uh, probably against Stetson Bennett too, if I'm if I was able to remember. But can you can you get after him? Can you sack him? Because you're definitely going to need to sack him 
and and create some longer downs and distances. I know I keep talking about it, but you've absolutely got to get after him. Um, this can't be a drop-off for this defensive line in front seven, and frankly, you can't drop off in any one area and expect to have a great chance uh, to win Saturday with a team like Georgia. Uh, and just to, to solidify it, they pass for 328 per game. They run for north of 200. They total 530 yards per game. And again, that's just behind Tennessee. They do it in different ways, but you don't have to do it one certain way to be successful, as these two teams prove. Um, so what can you do? What can you do defensively to make an impact, create extra possession for the offense? What can you do? Uh, because you got to find a way to do something. Uh, I want to talk about Georgia's defense just a little bit as well. We know the talent. Uh, we know that they don't necessarily turn teams over like they've done in the past under Kirby. Uh, they don't sack the quarterback like they've done. But there are numbers out there that indicate that teams are doing the smart thing and getting the ball out really quick. That's what Tennessee's going to need to do. That's what Tennessee does. But, you, again, I talked about it a moment ago. You can't hold on to the ball because they will take advantage. Uh, you know, they, they will absolutely hurt. Uh, your quarterback, they will sack him. They'll do those things if you give them the opportunities to. So the offensive line's got to hold their own the best that they can again on Saturday. But Georgia's defense, they've allowed three teams to rush for 100 yards or more. <laughs> they've allowed two rushing touchdowns in eight games. That is phenomenal. Um, like I mentioned, Tennessee's allowed one more team to run for 100 yards in four, but they've allowed something like 10 rushing touchdowns. This is just... It's not 2021 Georgia's defense, but it's still dang good. Uh, their pass defense, they've allowed just two out of eight teams to pass for 200 yards with only five passing touchdowns in eight games, and that is ludicrous. Just thinking about their schedule and, and, and how their games have gone, I can think of one garbage time passing touchdown for South Carolina there at Williams-Brown Stadium against Georgia in a blowout game. Um, so that's just really, really strong. Uh, the most... Rushing yards that Georgia's allowed does go back to week one uh, at 140. And then you had Missouri and Florida just barely eclipse 100 yards. Um, and then you saw Florida pass for 271 yards. At, that's a season high. The next closest and the only other game over 200 yards is South Carolina. Again, garbage time game. Completion percentage for South Carolina in the dump. Backups galore playing for Georgia, but they totaled 214 pass yards that day against Georgia, which is... Just phenomenal. I mean, that's really, really good defensively. The 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 talent at corner and safety, my God, the the freshman safety at Georgia, Malachi Starks, and then the veterans that they've got there. I mean, they're all just so good. Yeah, they'll be down Nolan Smith. They'll be down Dan Jackson, who are dealing with injuries. Um, but this defense is still dang good. Uh, one thing that I want to touch on, and, and there's another thing that I've skipped intentionally to this point, uh, that I want to hit at, but I think the red red zone offenses will be really tested here. Um, if it comes down to field goals, my God, you've got to like Georgia's chances. Uh, Jack, uh, Jack Podlesny has hit multiple, multiple kicks over 50 in his uh, career. His long this year is 42, which I actually think is uh, just another positive indicator for Georgia's offense that he probably hasn't attempted many past that. He's only missed two on the year. He's only missed one career extra point. Uh, Tennessee's missed kicks, missed extra points, had them blocked this year. Um, so if it comes down to field goals, you don't love your chances. Tennessee's offense has to get into the end zone when they have when they're past the fifty. Frankly, when they can, every time they can. Uh, but I do think red zone offenses will be key. And I think when that field shrinks up, when it when it shortens up, that it'll be really really critical for who can who can power their way on in there, who can draw it up, who can execute it. All right, wanted to. Wanted to touch on this. I intentionally skipped it a moment ago, or I tried to, when I was talking about Tennessee's offense. Uh, 
UT averages 353 pass yards per game. Like I said, I don't think you necessarily have to run for 200 to win if you're Tennessee, but I definitively, absolutely think you must pass for 300 or even your average of 350 uh, in this game to win. What can Tennessee do to take advantage of Nolan Smith being out? What can they do to take advantage of the safety, Dan Jackson being out? The the young safeties and, and players there that are talented, what can they do to take advantage of it? Can Georgia be the first team to stop Jalen Hyatt? Extra challenge for Georgia, no one has had to face Hyatt since Pitt with a healthy Tillman, with a Brew McCoy that, pun intended, is an absolute dog. With Ramel Keaton, who's plenty capable if he gets an opportunity or if he's called upon in this game. How can you stop all those? I, I don't see, like I said, a Tennessee runaway here, but I feel like they'll get theirs because no one has stopped that combination and and even the combination of, of Hyatt and Keaton and Brew when when Tillman's been out. So no one's done it yet. Can Georgia? I don't think that they can because of their pass rush because that's not been what has gotten their stops to this point. Yeah, they create penetration and trouble, but no one has stopped Tennessee, and it'll just be about how often can they stop that for Tennessee. I don't think Hyatt's going to go for five more touchdowns in this game, um, but again, no one stopped it. Can Tennessee utilize the tight ends or the middle of the field with the injuries, with the uh, with the inexperience, perhaps, even though, again, it's talented, can they capitalize over the middle of the field with someone like maybe Tillman or the tight ends? Can they take advantage there if they can create time to do that? Um, but point being, I definitively think Tennessee needs to pass for 300 or their season average of 353 uh, to win this game because that's what they've done. Um, the run game has been amazing. The offensive line has been amazing, but they've got to be able to pass the ball because it is where the spark comes from. Uh, the run game kind of does enough, and they, they, they churn out yards, but they, they do enough to make things favorable for you to rest your defense. But the, the, the pass game is where the explosion's at. Jalen Hyatt, Hendon Hooker, creating, you know, just continuing that Heisman and Bolitnikoff. Uh, campaign for those guys would be huge. And again, getting Tillman back as close as he's been to 100% since probably preseason will be absolutely massive and key to Tennessee's success here. Um, obvious keys, just to touch on it, Tennessee lost the turnover battle against Alabama by, by, I believe, one turnover. I don't think you could lose it by any more than that and not get perhaps your doors blown off by Georgia. Uh, if you can win the turnover margin, great. If you can make Stetson Bennett create uh, if you can cause him into some turnovers, great. He's only thrown three interceptions all year, and two of those were against Florida last week. So I don't think he's going to be turning it over a lot. Um, he can be inaccurate at times, but dude gets just such a ridiculous reputation at times for not being capable or not being explosive, and he is plenty capable in a multitude of ways. So uh, if Tennessee can create turnovers, that's a huge win. But I definitely don't think they can lose the turnover battle by more than one. I mean, they've been fantastic in turnover margin all year, so don't don't alter that. Be yourselves. Be your your clean with the ball. Uh, you know, taking care of it. Be those guys again, and give yourself a chance a chance to make this a four quarter game or a huge road win, uh, because that would just be massive. And again, special teams. Don't let a freaking missed extra point or a missed field goal. You know, if it's a long one, that's one thing, but. You know, your your under 40-yard kicks, if you have to settle for those, you, you absolutely cannot miss points when they uh, present themselves an opportunity in this game because, because of what Georgia's got, what they still have 
talent-wise, even losing as many draft picks and guys as they did. Um, I do think that Tennessee can win this game. I'm going to predict a Georgia loss because uh, – a Georgia win, excuse me, a Tennessee loss because I still just see that. My common sense, my line of thinking just lead me that way. I think it'll be a higher scoring game. I don't see this game getting to the, you know, 100 points scored like the Tennessee-Alabama game. But I'll say it'll be Georgia 41, Tennessee 37, I think. Uh, Georgia does not cover. They are certainly capable of it. Tennessee's capable of winning this game outright. Tennessee's capable of winning, um, you know, by a couple touchdowns or more if, if Georgia gives them the opportunity to do that if they can't contain Tennessee's defense, much like other teams have not – Tennessee's offense, like Tennessee – or like teams haven't been able to do. Uh, Tennessee could win this game. They could they could kind of run away with it a little bit if the opportunity presents itself. But still going to lean with Georgia. It's hard to pick against this Tennessee team, but I am going to do it. Um, but, yeah, like I said, just want to come at you guys with some solo thoughts because of everything that's been going on with us. Hope we have a chance to still get that uh, – Dan and Ryan Phillips crossover to you with some Tennessee and Georgia perspective, kind of going back and forth like we did with our buddy JP over the Alabama game. Hope that we have a chance to get that out, and hopefully I'll have a chance to join it. Um, if so, then forget everything I've said just now. Um, you know, just disregard it from your memory. You never heard it, um, and it was completely unneeded. Just kidding. Uh, we love you guys. Thank you so much for listening to us. Uh, continue to share the podcast, subscribe on all platforms or your preferred platforms. Uh, hit us up with your projections, man. I want to know where everyone's at ahead of this game. And it, it's just been a wide range so far for me for what I've seen. Uh, conflicts both ways, which you love to see. Some potential disrespect for Georgia in the CFP rankings. But there again, Tennessee can play the disrespect of that eight-point uh, betting line spread. So you've just got so many factors. Can't wait to see it. Uh, or as much of it as I can. But we love you guys. Thanks for listening. Hit us up. 